Hello, and welcome to episode 20, all about the Riders of Rohan, chapter two, book three of The Two Towers, being the 20th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined by Rachel Bellavia of (laughs) So You Want to Read Tolkien. She told me to pronounce it that way. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, it's so so great to be here. I'm so happy to have finally... uh... Beyond. I know Caitlin joined a little while ago and yes. I was kind of hoping you'd ask. <laughs> yes, I, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is a podcast with three Tolkien-oriented women. I'm going to get all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, And all of our schedules would have been, I think, way too crazy for us to try and coordinate to get everyone to record at once. So, Oh, yeah. And then it makes us feel like we're Pokemon. Like, <laughs> no, you've just, you've just got to get Emmy and then you've caught them all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, that's so true. Yes, you guys are Pokemon. Exactly. Great metaphor. (laughs) So today's chapter is chapter two, the writers of Rohan. First of all, am I saying Rohan correctly? Yes. Everyone just sort of makes it up. Okay. Rohan's Rohan's pretty much. Okay. As I was recording the, I was recording the intro to this episode before we even started our call. And as I was saying it, I was like, I don't even know if this is how it's it's said but this is what i'm going with so yeah. oh i feel well. like rohan is one of those fun ones where you really pick out just people's regional accents oh yeah 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 <laughs> just it's just like where they just are. how do you say your a's in general <laughs> yeah and then there's some other let's just say there's some other un- uncertain pronunciations i'm gonna encounter in this chapter oh you get all the e's so, in this chapter i try and i tried so hard i listened to the audiobook of the chapter today to try and figure out how to pronounce them and it literally just sounds like a sneeze even in the audiobook <laughs> and I'm like I still don't know how to pronounce these names so I'll just wing it and and see what happens so which is not too dissimilar from how who are we with today we're with Aragorn Legolas and Gimli there's just so many characters to keep track of at this point anyway. <laughs> so many our fave three right now yes the gold until the, that all changes <laughs> yes my 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 golden trio as I have mm-hmm. named them oh yeah they were my first pick my first draft team to go to Mordor to accompany mm-hmm. Frodo. That did not happen, obviously. And now they're doing the like B plot of the book of chasing Merry and Pippin. The plus side is we get to go with them a lot around like more places because oh, yeah. they don't have a singular goal. Yes. I'm so that's what um someone was telling me. I think it was my previous guest, Haley, who was telling me that yeah, you get to like meet more people and go to more places that have actual people people in them rather than just like these are the crumbling ruins of something that once was. <laughs> yeah, I was listening on my drive home and I was laughing at that like yeah, actual people which unfortunately just means actual names, but you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it's excitement, it's adventure and and I'm here for it, which is it's just so it's already just so much better than fellowship in my eyes because stuff mm-hmm. is happening and it's happening fast. And right. fellowship was so so slow going and and even this chapter which contains mostly them traveling Mm -hmm. even then it still has a a nice pace to it so yeah yeah it's because they're walking so fast yeah (laughs) 
yeah, the it was in one of my previous the either the end of Fellowship or the start of Two Towers. Someone was like, "Yeah, no, they're about to go on a marathon," and I didn't really get it as they were saying that. But at the point of me editing it, I had already read part of Two Towers, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, they're running a marathon. That that's yep. what they're doing. I get it now. They're running a marathon." Mm-hmm. So chapter two starts off with some also heads up. There's going to be a lot of me reading like very beautiful descriptive language in this chapter because there's a lot of instances in that in this chapter absolutely it's peak tolkien is it's yeah people walking and describing the scenery <laughs> and, and horses? you get a few horses yes yep. <laughs> exactly checked all the boxes exactly exactly i think and um and there's lots of references to other locations and the land and directions this is exactly yeah if i was that's a great point if someone were to say pick a chapter that represents tolkien i would probably pick this chapter so mm-hmm. so it opens with dusk deepened mist lay behind them among the trees below and brooded on the pale margins of the Anduin, but the sky was clear. Stars came out. The waxing moon was riding in the west, and the shadows of the rocks were black. So very ominous, spooky, setting the tone of they're on a very perilous journey, tracking these perilous creatures who are mostly traveling at night. Just a great a great opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost, I, I liken this book, this chapter to actually being like the first real chapter of this book. Because mm-hmm. the first one so much, you know, dropping that death on the first yeah. page and then <laughs> wrapping up all the little strings and ends from, yeah. from book one. Yeah. And you're like, all right, we're starting off again. We're going on a hike. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I was saying before that I didn't understand why... Tolkien would want to why he didn't end fellowship with the first chapter of two towers and I eventually reasoned with myself that like if he ended fellowship with Boromir's death then he would have had to start out two towers very boring but I think this would have been a great opener to just the book to to book three all all on its own so as we know Aragorn is a ranger extraordinaire and he has excellent tracking skills so they spend a couple hours on the trail of the orcs picking up clues here and there about where they've gone and then they have to decide they come to a point where they've kind of lost the trail and they need to decide which direction they might have turned and they decide to head northwards near where is it, near Isengard or Fangorn. And I just like to to reference this as the point in the chapter where I looked at the map and I was like, oh, I know exactly where they are. I know where they're going. Great. That will change later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for this, once I knew where they definitely, were. Yeah, it's one to actually have a, a map because I'm like, okay, they were going south. Yeah. They're going north again? Yeah. Where are we? Yeah, exactly. And then they 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 make a lot of references that make it sound like they're standing on top of a mountain, but then they're also supposedly on like wide open plains. So, um We'll get to that confusion in a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say On the, the least. bright side, y- you can puzzle over it as much as you want. It literally does not matter. Yeah. That's exactly what I've just learned to do with, with reading this series is I can sit and think as hard as I want about where they are. Then the, the point is that it's it's a journey and they will be moving on from that destination very soon. So <laughs> even if yeah. I have no idea where they are currently, they're not going to be there for long. So 
Yeah. Except if it was the Shire. They're in the Shire forever. Forever. So then they, yeah, so they decide to head northwards and they pick back up the trail again and they find some dead orcs. And this is where some very typical like Aragorn ominous statements come in. (laughs) And Legolas says, yet however you read it, it seems not unhopeful. Enemies of the orcs are likely to be our friends. And just that it seems not unhopeful. Had to do that math in my head and figure <laughs> out. Wait, what, 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 what he's, he's, Thanks for that double negative. Yeah. Then Aragorn says, I think that the enemy brought his own enemy with him. So he is surmising that within the this band of orcs that's been traveling and took Merry and Pippin, they're not all from the same place, or at least they're not all like the same families or clans of orcs. I don't really know what the governmental system of orcs is, but <laughs> I'm assuming there is none. <laughs> but sounds like not all of them get along. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And also like, I'm so- y'all, I'm so sorry because this is just a lot of descriptions of like, then they went this place and then they stopped and looked at the trail and then they kept going in this direction because that's a, that's a lot of majority of what happened in this chapter is them just just following a trail yep in this next section is when i was like ah okay so so because they're traveling a lot this is the chapter that's going to be really heavy on the figurative language and the really beautiful imagery and descriptive language because nothing else is happening but tolkien has to fill up the page somehow anyway he really just goes to town he just just pulls out all the stops uh sometimes i wonder like you really weren't being paid by the word (laughs) i know like he had i he had to have been. I don't know how, or like paid by the amount of pages or something. And so the more he wrote, the more pages he had. Like I, he had to have been because <laughs> there's just so many points where I'm just like, you don't have to talk. There's an entire page that they spend debating about whether or not to light a fire or whether mm-hmm. or not to, to sleep that night or keep going. And it's an entire page long of just endless back and forth. It's it's, it's a time. <laughs> And then they keep walking more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so this descriptive language, again, uh, here's another passage I'm going to read. They get to a mountain peak or a, I don't know, hill peak or something. They're able to look out over the land somehow, which, again, I'm confused about where they are topography-wise because I thought they were in some kind of, like, flat land and now they're on a mountain or some kind of peak to be able to overlook everything. So, who knows? It's like a, there's like a rocky ridge area that then goes into the plains. Okay, got so, it. So yeah, they're like coming out of it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That makes a lot more sense. So, so it says, the red rim of the sun rose over the shoulders of the dark land. Before them in the west, the world lay still, formless and gray. But even as they looked, the shadows of night melted, the colors of the waking earth returned. Green flowed over the wide meads of Rohan, the white mist shimmered in the water veils, and far off to the left, thirty leagues or more, blue and purple stood the white mountains, rising into peaks of jet, tipped with glimmering snows, flushed with the rose of morning. So much color, so much descriptive language. (laughs) It's just like a watercolor painting. So many edges. It's like a Bob Ross painting. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. They are happy little mountains. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Tolkien and Bob Ross, I feel like, would have been good friends for a bit. And then Bob Ross would have been like, hey, man, I think you should maybe relax a bit and, and, (laughs) and take a break from your work and enjoy life. Enjoy the happy little mountains that you're writing about. And Tolkien would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I got work to do. (laughs) Let me drown under these piles of pages that I've been scribbling on. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Just beautiful, beautiful. And and this, that like little passage in particular reminded me of, I just remember when I was reading The Great Gatsby in 11th grade, there was Mm -hmm. this sheet of themes or motifs that we were supposed to be on the lookout for or kind of just keep in mind as we read the book. And one of them was the use of color and how Mm -hmm. often Fitzgerald uses like the color green to talk about mm-hmm. Daisy or yeah. the the West Egg or the East Egg. or I don't remember which one is which. But Oh, that light. <laughs> <laughs> that beautiful light. Real talk, though. I love The Great Gatsby. It's like the one book in high school that I actually enjoyed reading. I, don't I know actually, about you, I but... didn't read it until college, but same thing. It was the only book in my American literature class. I was like, finally, someone who writes stuff that I actually want to read. And it's like the words are pretty and it was really interesting and it wasn't Mark Twain. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> It wasn't Mark Twain. Yeah, it's just great. I enjoy it immensely. Um, People who have not read The Great Gatsby, I recommend it. And I also, I just remember this huge debate in my 11th grade class about like, but Nick isn't a likable character. How can he be the narrator? And I was just so, I felt felt so ahead of my times because I was like, (laughs) you don't have, the narrator doesn't have to be a likable character. Yeah, it's like arguably the entire point of Mm -hmm. the book. You missed it. (laughs) You're here and the point's over there. (laughs) Um, Have you seen that gif? It's like a cartoon drawing and someone's just sitting there and then a dot that says the point flies over the person's head and they just (laughs) watch it fly off into the distance. exactly what I was thinking of and miming while waving my hands around. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, so after this beautiful passage, then Aragorn looks out and sees Gondor and he sings a little song about Gondor and how he's going to miss it and how much he loves it. And this must be really hard because it's so, he's like, I'm so close and yet so far away because now they have to, they have to turn around and go basically the opposite direction now into Mm -hmm. Rohan. Yeah, I just love it coming right after this like beautiful passage describing the mountains and we're like they're so beautiful we must be dramatic about them yeah exactly (laughs) i mean aragorn doesn't do anything undramatically which we will see later in this chapter too oh my gosh (laughs) my favorite bit (laughs) oh my gosh um then they see uh one of the eagles that they saw before flying overhead of them legolas says there's the eagle again he is very high he seems to be flying now away from this land back to the north he's going with great speed and then aragorn notices it as well and then says but look i can see something nearer at hand and more urgent there is something moving over the plain and i guess this is yeah that's right they see the orcs because then they say well now we don't need to find a path to the orcs because there they are off in the distance so (laughs) this is great for us good job let's go that way (laughs) but i just love how aragorn is like yeah 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 a big giant eagle like what's new what else is new (laughs) We've seen hey, look, that. Look, there's already. a metaphor, but don't look too closely. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Is there? I might have just been making it up, but oh, here we go. Yeah, so they see the orcs off in the distance, and then they, it says it seemed that the orcs had pressed on with all possible speed. Every now and again, the pursuers found things that had been dropped or cast away. So the orcs are definitely not stealthy people at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not good at hiding their path. They're not good at fleeing. Well, they actually, I mean, they are. Here, here's what I don't understand is they they make 
note later on once they get to a flatter area that, oh, we should be able to run and, and move faster than the orcs at this point. And yet the orcs keep getting so far ahead of them. And the orcs didn't even leave when they first captured Merry and Pippin. They couldn't have been more than a couple hours ahead. So I'm just astounded at how fast the orcs are moving, despite the fact that they constantly talk about like how they are kind of bumbling, dumb creatures and they're still moving like at the speed of light. Magic? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I also should say, I don't think I really exactly understand what an orc looks like. Should I risk a Google search? A Google image search, I think, should be safe. Yeah, I think that should be fine. I mean, they're just, I mean, picture monster creatures and anything. Orc, Lord of the Rings. Let's see. Oh, that's, oh, that's, oh. Oh, that's awful. Oh, that's awful. Oh my, that's 500 times worse than I ever imagined. Well, and to be fair, they probably got a little extra creative in the movies. movies, These ones aren't necessarily quite so bad, but yeah. And there are like so many different types of them, which is actually true. These are, oh my God, there are a couple different types of orcs. This is, oh geez. And that's what's, what's so interesting is that like, we don't have original ideas for what the orcs looked like in Tolkien's mind because he wasn't obviously he wasn't alive when the movies came about like JK Rowling has come out and said like oh the the illustrations of Harry Potter on the original editions of the series mm-hmm. aren't what i consider to be canon harry because the scar is in the middle of his forehead in the illustrations and it's not in the middle of his forehead in the books so it's interesting that we don't have we're not able to go back and reference like, okay, what did Tolkien actually intend to write though? Yeah. And he doesn't, for all of the different things that he describes really, really detailed, orcs are not one of them. Well, welcome back listeners after some technical difficulties from (laughs) yours truly. We went on our own adventure. (laughs) That's so true. It was the orcs. And now as I'm saying that I'm closing out of every other application that isn't necessary for this recording. I can't (laughs) risk it anymore. It was the orcs. It was a cursed image. What is interesting is Tolkien actually did a lot of like illustration doodle things. Oh, he did? Yeah, there are some books and I don't unfortunately have any of them where I was like, I could go reference, but I'm not sure if he ever really did many orc illustrations it's lots of like maps and places oh i'm sure it's just just (laughs) so many maps like that um gif of charlie from it's always sunny in philadelphia where he's like tapping on the wall with all of the pieces of paper (laughs) in the red string (laughs) that's that's what i imagine tolkien's home office looked like (laughs) and like his kid just walks in and is like um okay my dad is a (laughs) madman but he tells good stories at bedtime i guess that's true (laughs) anyhow so what were we even oh we were talking about how the orcs are not stealthy creatures at all and then so they go down onto the onto the open land and i loved 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 this next line here the air was softer and warmer and faintly scented as if spring was already stirring and sap was flowing again in herb and leaf and then this is the one that i was literally went like oh that's so good legolas took a deep breath like one that drinks a great draught after long thirst in barren places. I love that line. And it's so, I feel like I've at least had the experience of like, you walk outside and you smell just whatever smell from nature that you've been missing 
at, at the time and you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is beautiful. Yeah. So refreshing. It's actually reading this right now after today, the high was like 20 <laughs> degrees outside and there were wind chills below zero. I'm like, yes, please give me that green smell again. Don't make me wait five months. <laughs> well, see, what's funny for me is that the the smell that I was thinking of is the smell of snow because I, <laughs> I live in kind of centralish Virginia where sometimes we get tons of snow in the winter and then sometimes we have zero snow at all. It just depends on like whatever God is feeling like doing that day. <laughs> um, and so I love oh, the smell of snow is just so nice and, and fresh and clean and it uh it's my favorite in the world and we had we had our first like flurries of the winter season today and it was beautiful and magical Mm -hmm. so it's funny that you're like no snow please just give me the green stuff (laughs) (laughs) and and speaking of which so i talked about how much i love that line of like one drinks that great draught after a long thirst in barren places and then i feel like tolkien immediately ruins it with the next line ah the green smell he said the green smell (laughs) like honestly he's created an entire language at multiple languages and songs and maps and places and worlds and he can't come up with a better phrase than green smell (laughs) love the green smell it's so much better than the blue smell or the yellow smell (laughs) well you know what they say don't eat yellow snow so (laughs) but like I I mean like I understand exactly what he means by the green smell just like at the same time he couldn't have the the contrast he couldn't have come up with a better phrase than the green smell and him. And and Legolas says that this the smell is better than sleep. And this is kind of our first hint that Legolas is kind of low-key really creepy in this chapter, which we'll get to in a bit. But <laughs> and then uh Aragorn says, Light feet may run swiftly here, more swiftly maybe than iron shod orcs. Now we have a chance to lessen their lead. So this is when they just run and they book it after the mm-hmm. orcs. And I'm just imagining a silhouette of them. It's a wide shot and they are running in a single file, but they're not moving just like the scenery is moving really quickly behind them and it's like it's like it's on a rotation and it's like the same one tree keeps going past them over and over again as they're just running frantically <laughs> i love it just yeah the little reel in the background yeah <laughs> like a real low budget version of this scene so as they're running aragorn stops and notices that there is a clue that is a little bit off the trail and they see that it is one of the brooches from the elven cloaks that the elves gave the gang when they were in lothorium aragorn notes that this this is an elven cloak. It wouldn't have just fallen off. This was Pippin intentionally, either he intentionally pulled it off and threw it away as some kind of a clue, or it was pulled off in some kind of a fight like he was trying to escape. I, at this point, was like, Pippin did something kind of useful at this point. This is this is a clue that they come back in reference to throughout the chapter of like, oh yes, but remember that one brooch? We know that he was alive then. And I was just very shocked that like Pippin did something somewhat helpful. Yeah, the slightest of spoilers. Pippin actually does something really useful and you get to sort of see what happened. Like, okay, you, it's like a 
complete shock. Like, Pippin is not completely useless. Okay, I'm here for it. I'm not... See, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not I'm not here to exclusively hate on the Hobbits or Pippin, but, you know, until the time comes where there's a sufficient evidence to prove that they are helpful or useful in some way, I'm going to keep on this track of the Hobbits are pretty useless, so... Oh, and, and still, the times that they do something extremely competent come as more of a surprise, because generally speaking, that's not usually yeah. the case. <laughs> so, oh, so this is then the page where that I was referring to earlier, where they spend the entire page debating about whether or not they should stop and sleep during the night or keep walking and try to catch up to the orcs during the night. And their their reasoning for both sides is that like, if we're trying to run after the orcs at night, we're not going to be able to follow their trail as closely because we can't see it. And we could easily miss something in the night that could lead us in another direction. And then we won't know it until the sun rises and we're hours behind. And then the other argument for wanting to continue through the night is that, well, if we sleep and wake up, there's no doubt that they are going to be miles ahead of us. And they put the decision up to Aragorn. And I just like his line. He says, (laughs) you give the choice to an ill chooser, which is a mood for me. (laughs) Like, really? You've seen my choices? You've heard me talking about how they've all gone wrong? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Yeah, he says, since we passed through the Argonoth, my choices have gone amiss. Which I I don't think they've gone amiss at all. Like, he's done as, I think he's done as best he can, considering the circumstances. Yeah, they were a lot of really bad options. You know, he kind of did the best he could, but he also spent way too long putting off making any decisions. Yeah. I, I love him, but you just, yeah, he kept being like, well, I'll decide later. And then I'll decide later. And then suddenly they're at the Argonauts and it's like, oh, oh, I guess I have do to do it the now. Thing. Yeah. Frodo, you choose. Yeah. And it's funny because my <laughs> next note that I wrote down is Aragorn must be paralyzed by decision at this point in the story where anytime a choice comes up, he's just like, I don't know what to do. He's, it really reminds me of Cheedy in The Good Place of he <laughs> where he's just like, he just like gets a stomach ache and he's like, I don't know. Oh God, it's too accurate though. <laughs> Um, And so then Aragorn decides that they will stay and sleep through the night because they're also all pretty tired anyway. And even if they keep traveling, they're probably just going to tire themselves out and it's not going to be better in the long run if they do that. (laughs) The the long run. (laughs) (laughs) Very long run. The extremely (laughs) long run. (laughs) And then when they, in the morning, Aragorn gets up and notices that Legolas has been up and he wakes up Gimli. And then this is when it reached like peak I don't know like rangerness for me Aragorn says where sight fail the earth may bring us rumor said Aragorn the land must groan under their hated feet at that point I was like oh he means that like when he says the earth must groan under their hated feet he means that oh even though we can't see them they're they're heavy big creatures they left behind footprints and some kind of a trail that we'll be able to see in the earth no he 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 means the earth will reveal whatever happened 
because he stretched himself upon the ground with his ear pressed against the turf. And he lies there for so long that Gimli thinks he's passed out. <laughs> and then he gets up and says, the rumor of the earth is dim and confused and nothing uh, nothing walks upon it for many miles about us. Faint and far are the feet of our enemies. <laughs> but maybe, maybe because like Legolas said that they're far away and you like laid down for so long, Gimli thought you were asleep. That's not helping. I, I was like, did Aragorn just listen to the earth and the earth spoke back to him? Is that what just happened here? That he pressed his ear to the ground and listened. And it and not only did he do this, but it spoke back. It it reminded me of the episode of SpongeBob where they find the boulder and SpongeBob is like, the pioneers used to ride these suckers for miles. <laughs> he gets onto the boulder and Squidward's like, you can't drive it. It's a rock. And he drives off. The rock becomes a functioning car. That's just what I'm imagining here. It's just such a ridiculous method of foraging and surviving and rangering that it actually works. It just yep. blows my mind. And also the fact that Aragorn hasn't done this before yet. Like, they've been traveling for a while with lots of enemies. I think there would have been a lot of great times for him to lie down and listen to the earth, and he didn't do it. So right? he's just been keeping that skill in his back pocket this whole time. Just because every so often you need to take a earth commune yeah. nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take a little nap, wake up, and then you'll have the hindsight to know what happened in the land around you. It's like a magical nap. Yes. The, the earth blesses you with the knowledge of what happened in that area after you nap. Then they keep going. And this is when I, this is when I was like, okay, never mind. I don't, I don't know where they are anymore. Because <laughs> it talks about the, to the left, the river Intwash wound. And then talks about the dwellings of, Ro oh, this is a word I, I don't know, Rohirrim? Rohirrim. Rohirrim, thank you. Oh, that sounds so much better than whatever I just said. Yeah. So like, it's like Ro Rohan, Rohirrim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. that's what I figured. I just wasn't sure um, how to say it. So the dwellings of the Rohirrim are off to the south, and then the White Mountains are somewhere, and the, I, I was just trying to find, locate them on a map, and I was like, okay, you lost me. I don't know where you are. I was, do I was doing pretty good up until this point. And then this part of the section ends very ominously. It says, but now all the land was empty and there was a silence that did not seem to be the quiet of peace. So pretty much it was quiet, too quiet. <laughs> but said really prettily. Oh, yeah, super beautifully, too. Just there was a silence that did not seem to be the quiet of peace. Definitely sounds a lot better than it was quiet, too quiet. <laughs> and then is this when they stop again? Sorry, let me flip through my. Anyway, but point B, there's there's one point where they're all running and describes Aragorn and Gimli as like really struggling, huffing and puffing. And then Legolas is just like having a grand old time and he's just trucking along with no problem at all. And it's like when you're at the gym and you're like dying on the treadmill and then you look over and someone is just living their best life and they're not even sweating and they have it's like that the the meme of the extremely photogenic marathon yes. runner guy from yes, like photogenic guy lord when was that i don't know 2001 or something yeah. 2010 i mean not <laughs> 2001, 2011 <laughs> yeah yeah legolas is just that perfect 
person at the gym who isn't even sweating and doesn't even look honestly doesn't even look like they need to be at the gym because yep. it's probably so toned and and muscular already or whatever so yeah and it's like mentioned at one point just like in passing that he's like he doesn't actually need to sleep he can kind of just yeah keep sleep while running and so it's like these i picture these guys huffing and puffing and going and looking over and legolas just like has his eyes closed like snoring as he keeps running next to them (laughs) yeah so that was yeah so that's my next thing so they stop to sleep again and it says as before legolas was first afoot if indeed he had ever slept awake awake he cried it is a red dawn strange things await us by the eaves of the forest good or evil i do not know but we are called awake so he's just a very enthusiastic alarm clock for the group (laughs) in the morning yeah but just the fact that it says if indeed he had ever slept so this is the point when i have a bizarre theory and it is that buddy the elf is a descendant of legolas the elf because i love it (laughs) because what so what i was talking about earlier how legolas doesn't seem to be having any problem hiking actually comes from this passage later on says legolas still stepped as lightly as ever his feet hardly seemed to press the grass leaving no footprints as he passed but in the way bread of the elves he found all the sustenance that he needed and he could sleep if sleep it could be called by men, resting his mind in the strange paths of Elvis dreams, even as he walked open-eyed in the light of this world. So, this theory is supported by, one, the fact that Buddy the Elf walks from the North Pole to New York City. And they show his walk, and he doesn't look tired at all. He looks super happy and friendly, and he's not have, he's not struggling. And he's, like, walking through through feet of snow in the mountains. And he's just like, do-do-do-do-do, I'm Buddy the Elf, and this is great. I'm going to go see my dad. That's evidence piece number one. And then evidence piece number two is that Legolas does not sleep and doesn't seem bothered by it. Just as Betty the Elf is like, oh, yeah, I got four whole hours of sleep. It was great. So that's my theory is that Buddy the Elf is a descendant of Legolas the Elf. And now it's official. (laughs) Spoken into the world. There we go. Because as I was describing him just walking super happily on the hike, I was imagining that montage of Buddy walking in the mountains going to New York and then the next part is that I just love the light and he could sleep if sleep it could be called by men (laughs) so if normal people would call what he does sleep that's what he did but (laughs) I was like man it this just really reminds me of Buddy the Elf too bad Legolas isn't I was like wait a minute Legolas is an elf. They're both elves. You know, many generations passed down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or not many because they're elves, but whatever. Because they're all they're all just alive all the time. And I've already I've already I'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole of talking about about how elves age or do not age. (laughs) I think I've I think I've got a basic understanding of it now, but onward. We gotta walk some more. I know we got more walking to do, folks. Yeah, so Legolas just doesn't sleep. He just kind of takes, like, mind naps on the walk. And he just turns his mind off as his body is moving him forward. I don't know. It's This is just, once again, like I was talking about the beginnings of, like, this is a little bit creepy, okay? 
And then they stop to go to bed once more. And they're losing hope at this point. And Gimli is like, this is useless, blah, blah, blah. And Legolas says, an air morning, it will be in the east. But rest if you must. Yet do not cast all hope away. Tomorrow is unknown. Reed oft is found at the rising of the sun. And then Gimli says, three suns already have risen on our chase and brought no counsel. <laughs> so it's at this point that I had to Google search what read r-e-d-e meant and it meant basically like counsel hope advice a sign of good or something and i was like oh that's great that's great that legolas is just this optimistic happy person he's like well you never know what'll happen tomorrow like after all tomorrow is a new day he he scarlet o'hara to them (laughs) (laughs) yeah gimli's like we've had three brand new days on this journey and nothing has happened gimli's getting a little bit tired of his of his new bffs unfounded optimism in a very unoptimistic circumstance so then that yeah so they sleep during the night and then again they notice as they awoke they saw legolas standing beside them or walking to and fro singing softly to himself in his own tongue and as he's saying the white stars open in the hard black vault above so he legolas is just yeah once again he's not sleeping and he's also just i'm imagining it like how in paranormal activity one of the ways that the goat that the demon possesses the girl is she'll just go and stand next to her boyfriend for hours while he (laughs) sleeps and that's what this seems like (laughs) i know legolas isn't possessed by a demon but But yeah just let's let me just stand and sing over you yeah let me just stand here and sing y'all have a good nighttime nap Um, maybe he's just singing them like a a lullaby or something i don't know so this is it's something that's like mentioned in the chapter but never really resolved if it's an actual thing or not i think like two pages before they like feel this actual sense that like something is holding them back and like wearying them and legolas is like the only one who's not totally affected by it so i must have missed that um it was it was actually it's right before for the last time we sleep. I don't know how to tell you where it is. <laughs> I know. They just stop and sleep. It's just so hard to tell, like, okay, is, is this point where they stop and sleep the part where he stands? Or is this point where they stop and sleep the part where he's lying down? Or, so, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. it's all the same. It's, it's right before the red dawn. <laughs> there is something strange at work in this land. I, tr- I distrust the silence. I distrust even the pale moon. Um... The stars are faint, and I am weary, as I have seldom been before. Weary as no ranger should be with a clear trail to follow. There is some will that lends speed to our foes and sets an unseen barrier before us, a weariness that is in the heart more than in the limb. Oh. I I must have just, at the time I was reading this, must have just thought that, like, oh, he's just very tired, and Aragorn isn't used to being tired. Well. And that's what's, like, it's not, we don't really get anything on it, but then we have Legolas just, like, singing over them. And so this is one of my, like, is he, like, trying to imbue them with the, you know, elf resistance or something? Oh, that's a great point. Because also, I'm also kind of surprised that we don't see what this song is. Like, this feels like a point where Tolkien would have put in the song that Legolas is singing Mm -hmm. and written that as part of the text. But, um... Yeah, that's a great point. That because because we've we've seen before how the elves have their songs are kind of have some kind of like enchantment effect. If they want it to be some kind of enchantment effect on a person, that would make total sense. That Legolas, ah, 
Legolas is being a great buddy. <laughs> like, this is a good time for your optimism if you actually do something with it instead of just <laughs> telling us things. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just doing what he can to try and protect his bros. That's great. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Thank you for, for bringing that to yeah, my absolutely. attention. So then they wake up the next morning, and this is when, thankfully, things are a little bit different. <laughs> and um, this is when they're like, well... We are definitely way too far behind the orcs now, and we might as well just give up any hope of ever finding them again. And then they, this is when, I think this is when Aragorn once again drops to the ground, presses his ear to the, to the, to the earth, and is like, I hear people coming. Legolas said, oh, Legolas says, there are 105, yellow is their hair, and bright are their spears. Their leader is very tall. <laughs> and Aragorn, smi- Aragorn smiled, keen are the eyes of the elves. So I just like this, that like, and all of this happening, Legolas felt it was important to put that their leader is tall, and they have blonde yeah. hair. <laughs> and, and that like, Aragorn dropped to the ground and like, spent all that time listening, and Legolas is like, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, see I everything can see about them. him. <laughs> And so they decide that they're going to stay there and wait for them to meet them instead of trying to like run away or hide or anything. Aragorn says, well, they might have news from us because it looks like they are coming from the direction where we were hoping the orcs would be. Yeah. So Aragorn says, we may get news from them. Or spears, said Gimli. There are three empty saddles, but I see no hobbits, said Legolas. I did not say that we should hear good news, said Aragorn. (laughs) So I just like this little quick back and forth of, we might get news from them, and Gimli is like, or we might get killed, (laughs) is the more likely outcome. And then (laughs) Aragorn is like, I mean, I didn't say it would be good news, but but it'll be news. It'll be something. The Riders of Rohan approach. Aragorn has ridden with them before and knows a little bit of them, so he he knows enough that he can kind of more confidently lead this conversation rather than just being like, hey, buds, what's up? (laughs) Um, Hail and well met. (laughs) Yeah. So he kind of knows what to expect with them. As they, so they approach and they circle the group and they just kind of keep riding around them. And then eventually they stop and all of the spears are pointed at them. And it's just very creepy. I'm I'm sure it makes for, granted, I haven't seen the two towers, but uh, if this part is in the two towers movie, I'm sure it makes for like a great cinematic moment of like, Ooh, the are are our heroes about to be killed? Who knows? Let's yeah. find out. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's not like there's you know three and a half books left to go. Yeah, it's not like there's twenty hours more of the movies left. <laughs> Aragorn introduces himself as Strider, and it's at this point that I I was like, oh, I forgot he used to be called like they called him Strider, and that's his little like ranger pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has to have seventeen names. <laughs> yeah, it is the way. <laughs> Which we. We will see. I think he's pretty. I think it's pretty smart to introduce himself as Strider as opposed to Aragorn right away because he also kind of pulls out the whole "I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn" thing very strategically, mm-hmm. um, and plays it to his advantage. So he know he knows what he's doing by being like, "Oh, I'm Strider. What's up?" To kind of like test the waters with these guys and see what's up and see if they're going to be friend or foe, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of back and forth of them being. like, like, well, what's your name? Well, what's your name? Well, what are you doing here? Well, what are you doing here? And then they mention that, oh, they point out, oh, you're wearing weird cloaks that 
made it so we couldn't see you until we like happened upon you just now. What is that? What's that about? And then Aragorn explains that they came through Lothlorien and Gladriel gave them the cloaks. This is the lead writer's mistake. He says, Then there is a lady in the Goldenwood, as old tales tell. Few escape her nets, they say. These are strange days. But if you have her favor, then you are also net weavers and sorcerers, maybe. And then he looks at Gimli and is like, who are you? And Gimli's like, you tell me your name and I'll tell you my name. And then this is when we learn that this writer leader is Aemor. I don't know. Aomer. Aomer. Yeah. Okay. Aomer, son of Aomond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. The AO, the AO is sort of, I don't okay. know, a hard AO? Can you call it that? AO. AO. It just sounds like a song. Like, yep. I put my hands up in the air sometimes saying AO. There we go. Um, That's the song I was thinking. AO. Um, son of Aoman. There we go. They exchange names, and Gimli says, Well, you speak evil of that which is fair beyond the reach of your thought and only little wit can excuse you. And I love this point because Gimli is like, how dare you talk about my girlfriend in that way? <laughs> Don't you dare talk about her like that in front of me. And he's more offended by the way that he spoke about Galadriel than Legolas is. And Legolas is the elf. Right. So I just found like this whole, that whole little underlying tone or whatever of this section to be pretty funny that like Gimli is a huge crush on Galadriel. I mean, as we all do, right? It's it's a mood. <laughs> and he's like, "Don't you dare insult my girlfriend like that ever again." And Legolas is just standing there like, "Dude, I think it's fine. Just like calm down a little <laughs> bit. Like, it's not that big of a deal." <laughs> oh, and then Aomer says that he's going to cut off Gimli's head and Legolas pulls out his bow and Gimli gets out his axe and everyone is just ready to fight immediately. Like Legolas and Gimli have no chill and they're just immediately like, yeah, we're going to fight. Let's do it. I mean, Gimli has to speak up about his girlfriend and then Legolas immediately has to speak up when Aomer threatens his boyfriend. Yes! Yeah, it's because they're bros now. They're bros now. Gotta protect Um, your bro. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And luckily for everyone involved, Aragorn is there. He (laughs) steps in and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's calm down. There's no need to chop off any dwarves' heads. Let's just talk. Then this is when Aragorn very dramatically reveals himself. I'm Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and I'm called Elisar, the Elfstone, Dunedain, the heir of Isildur's Elendil's son of Gondor. Here is the sword that was broken and is forged again. <laughs> he is just, and then he, yeah, he swoops out the sword and is like, look at what I got. <laughs> look at all the names I have. Can't you tell I'm important? Yeah, basically exactly that. Like, <laughs> Aom, what's his, I've already forgotten his name. Aomer? Aomer. Aomer is like, who the f*** do you think you are? <laughs> Aragorn's like, I'll show you exactly who the f*** I think I am. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and this is when Aomer is like, okay, I get it now. You're important. <laughs> oh, and, and Aragorn has this like magical girl transformation moment where he like grows and like is like, oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 I highlighted that part. So I'll read that. 
Gimli and Legolas looked at their companion in amazement, for they had not seen him in this mood before. He seemed to have grown in stature while Aomer had shrunk, and his living face they caught a brief vision of the power and majesty of the kings of stone. For a moment it seemed to the eyes of Legolas that a white flame flickered on the brows of Aragorn like a shining crown. Ooh, Mm -hmm. is that foreshadowing I sense? Who knows? (laughs) We'll never know. Yeah, like Aragorn just went into like, activation Aragorn son of Arathorn mode and leveled up for when the when the situation called for it like kind of how uh, how I was talking about earlier how he very strategically waits to do this until he knows that no one's heads are going to get cut mm-hmm. off yeah. and so they're asking then they they kind of talk a little bit about the politics of Rohan and and the land and what the king is going to be doing with this whole Sauron thing and yeah. what's going on with that whatever <laughs> And they're they're talking a bit about that, and um, Aomer says, "Oh well, what are you doing here? What do you like? What do you bring here?" And Aragorn says, "The doom of choice. You must say this to the- oh boy, Theoden, Theoden, son of." Thangol. So many names. You may say this to Theoden, son of Thangol. Open war lies before him, with Sauron or against him. So this is when we learn that. Because um, before the writers had said, well, we're not, when they were trying to decide, are we friends or are we foes? They were asked, are you on the team of Sauron or not? Because we are definitely not on the team of Sauron. And the writers make a point of saying, well, Rohan is choosing neither at this point. We, we, we are not in open war because we don't want to, we don't want to start a war and we don't want to do that right now, which I get. Like, you don't want to start a war. You just want to remain neutral. But they're Switzerlanding. Tr- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And it's just at a point where like, the it's what Aragorn said. I just love the phrase doom of choice that either way, they're going to have to choose to go to war and it's not going to be good, but they have to choose a side at some point. And as we've brought up Aragorn being a little bit like cheaty, the doom of choice is the worst possible doom. Yes. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, like literally spoilers for the good place, but like literally that's exactly what cheaty's form of torture is. It's just like having to constantly make horrible ethical moral decisions (laughs) or not necessarily horrible ones just just really tough difficult decisions that i think would make any normal person nervous but especially cheaty anywho but back to lord of the rings (laughs) yeah so aragorn is like you're gonna have to choose eventually then they start talking about the orcs and what happened to them and aomer says that we killed all of the orcs earlier and we piled them all into uh we we've bur- we're burning all of their bodies as is customary for us because the orcs are our enemy because they came to so maybe i miss this what village or town or city or whatever are the rohan the riders of rohan from slash protecting or, um, or i don't whatever. think you missed it it's their main city it's called mesifeld and it's on like this okay or that's Mesafeld is the hall at the town of Edoras. I think they say it's in the south, kind of by the mountains where they come from. But yeah, it's it's the main city. It's the capital city. Okay, cool. I yeah. wasn't sure because they, they keep referring to their king and like, oh, our king is going to be mad if we don't get back to him and stuff like that. So I was just wondering like where exactly are they in Rohan are they from? Because they're just the mm-hmm. writers of Rohan. It doesn't specify. But yeah, yeah. You'll spoiler alert. You get there. You get an actual city. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm 
hype. <laughs> yeah, so they mentioned that they're they are enemies of the orcs because the orcs is it the the orcs raided their city. Is that what is that what happened? I forget. Uh, I think well, and just generally, like even if they don't pick sides in the war, like orcs are pretty much just coming yeah. and like burning stuff and doing things and whatnot. So and just not being yeah. nice people in general. So can't really say I blame them. Oh yeah, they talk about like what happened the, with the orcs later. Okay, cool. So I didn't make it up. Oh yeah, so they're talking about how they killed all of the orcs and they are burning their bodies. And they say, oh well, did you see any small people? They might have looked like children. And they're like, what kids? No we didn't burn any children and they're like okay well they they might have looked like children to you but they're called hobbits or you might know them as halflings one of the writers laughs halflings but they are only a little people in old songs and children's tales out of the north do we walk in legends or on the green earth in the daylight this is just like wild to me and also just a testament to like how much the hobbits as a race of people are just homebodies that there are people who literally don't think hobbits exist. Yeah. And they just think they're a fairy tale. And that's just a testament to like how weird it is that Bilbo, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin have left Hobbiton in the Shire and are out here where people do not think yeah. they exist. Oh, absolutely. It exactly lays it out for you. And also even like you as a reader, you never really find out much about the history of hobbits. <laughs> You're like, it just in general, they are very mythical. And it's, it's a sort of odd juxtaposition. And I also, like that apparently hobbits slash halflings are the subjects of it says old songs and children's tales and that's almost kind of meta because Mm -hmm. that's what the hobbit is right oh i'm assuming there are songs in the hobbit though i haven't read (laughs) um but it's a child you know it's a children's tale it's pretty it's pretty meta the Mm -hmm. hobbit is about a hobbit obviously and it's a children's tale so exactly it's so meta tolkien just can't resist (laughs) anyway yeah so the the writers say that no we didn't see any hobbits, halflings, whatever you want to call them. And so then Eomer and Aragorn step aside to speak to each other more privately. This is when they say that they they bring up that Gandalf used to be the leader and he is no longer with them, obviously. And Eomer warns that Gandalf used to be a friendly guest welcome in their city until... So I, I just like the way he describes them here. It says, he has been a guest in the land many times of the mem- in the memory of men, coming as he will after a season or after many years. He is ever the herald of strange events, a bringer of evil, some now say. And then we find out that the reason that their king doesn't like Gandalf anymore is because Gandalf took shadow facts <laughs> and shadow Shadow facts came back and no one can tame shadow facts now. And that's why the king doesn't like Gandalf. Gandalf took your horse and ruined him. He took the best horse <laughs> and the king takes that so personally. I mean, so. uh, you know, Tolkien, Tolkien's told us time and again, right? Gotta care about these horses. He loves them horses. He loves them horses. And I can also see how... And later on, the writers give some of the horses to Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, and they say, like, please bring them back, like, be extra careful with them. And the trio are like, oh, yeah, you can take our, you can take our word that we will take care of these horses. And once we return them to you, take that as a sign, like a a sign of our good intentions or something. So like the fact that these writers care so intensely about these horses Mm -hmm. is also super once again, just parallel to how Tolkien was a World War One veteran and horses were used a lot in the war. Mm-hmm. And 
were considered like a great horrible loss if they ever died and you know and just kind of just kind of like seeing those parallels of like the riders of Rohan are kind of like the soldiers of Rohan and they take their horses very seriously so uh, exactly oh that's right yeah so Aragorn's basically just catching him up on what happened and he's explaining that yeah the orcs took two of our friends and we were down by Tolbrandir he was like yeah we were down there and now we're up here because we're looking for our friends and Eomer says on foot <laughs> and Aragorn is like yeah how else would we have gotten here and Aomer says Strider is too poor a name son of Arathorn Wingfoot I name you this deed of the three friends should be sung in many a hall forty leagues and five you have measured ere the fourth day is ended hardy is the race of Elendil so basically Aragorn is a beast yep <laughs> Gets a new name, and this is yet another one of, name. <laughs> one of those times. There's another chapter coming up where Tolkien uses three different forms of measurement in the same chapter, and I definitely every time have to Google how far actually is a league. Oh yeah, I'm not even trying to like keep up with that at that point. At this point, I'm just assuming that like a league is probably very it's far. Three off. miles. So overall, I did 135 miles in oh three and a half gosh. days. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a marathon. I'll yeah. say. Anyway, so Amor says that, well, uh, now we must return our men. We must return to our king. Oh, yeah. And he says that he didn't want to say this in front of the other men, but he knows that he says, but war is coming. We shall not forsake our old alliance with Gondor. And while they fight, we shall aid them. So say I and all who hold with me. So he's kind of got either some insight or inside information to know that, no, we're, we're going to be going to war soon and it's going to be against Sauron slash Saruman, I guess. So don't worry. We'll still be besties with Gondor. Don't worry about that. I was relieved here because I thought we were going to have to have like a Cornelius Fudge moment of like trying to convince Rohan that like, no, this is this is happening. This bad evil force is coming for us and we need to prepare for it and you need to pick a side instead of just living in denial or mm-hmm. acting like you can just sit there and do nothing. So I'm glad that they're not that stupid. You yeah. know, they, they have more common sense. <laughs> than that it's also probably just not their first war so definitely not i'm assuming so they're probably very familiar with like okay it looks like it's about that time of year again when we need to go to war so yeah and along with i mean the book's tones changing a little bit it's with the geography changing we are getting to the places that are closer to mordor and so they have seen war you know both thousands of years ago and recently in a way that you know, the hobbits and the Shire super have not. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely getting physically and just kind of metaphorically closer yep. to the danger. And then they bring up Saruman, who Aomer says that's that's our main concern right now as opposed to just Sauron, because he has claimed lordship all over over all this land and there's been war between us for many months. That's right. He has ta- mm-hmm. this so this is what's going on with them and the orcs is uh Saruman has taken control over the orcs and is using that to have control over the land and Rohan and the city where they're from. And then they mentioned this important fact that I did not highlight the first read through and then I went back and highlighted it later on because of what happens later. It is ill dealing with such a foe. He is a wizard, both cunning and dimmer and dwimmer crafty. Wait, that's the first time I've read that phrase. Dwimmer (laughs) 
crafty. Stop making up words, Tolkien. Having many guises. <laughs> he walks here and there, they say, as an old man hooded and cloaked, very like to Gandalf, as many now recall. So this pops up a little bit later, but this also sounds like what Frodo saw when he looked in the mirror of Galadriel, where he notices, he sees a figure and assumes it's either Gandalf or, Sar- or Saruman, but it's one or the other. Um, so it just kind of reminds me of that, that how it mentions that oh yeah he looks like an old man with a cloak and a hood and he kind of looks like Gandalf when he does that so maybe that's maybe this is what Frodo was seeing when he looked in the mirror of Galadriel I don't know Mm -hmm. so then the, the writers try and convince Aragorn and them to come with them back to see their king because they say that they can be they can serve a much better purpose there and help them fighting with the war and also that their king doesn't like like strangers wandering in their land and that if they just let them go that the king would be mad and also i think kind of the implication is that like you could run into other people who might kill you like we almost killed you but we decided not to you could get killed just for being here because people don't we don't like having strangers here mm-hmm. And Aragorn's like, I mean, please, just just this one time, can you let us go? And Aomer's like, okay, you can go. <laughs> he plays that Trixie, the Trixie Ward thing. I've been here before, so I'm not a stranger. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because Aragorn, that's right, because we talked about how Aragorn has been with the writers before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so Aomer is like, okay, you can go, but please take some of our horses. Just please also bring them back, please. They are our best friends and we love them. <laughs> That makes me think back. At one point, it's mentioned that like like Sauron's people have like stolen horses right. from them, but only the black ones because they're committed to the aesthetic. They're the evil ones. Yeah. <laughs> only the black ones. Only the black horses. We got to keep it evil. <laughs> and so then Gim- Gimli also makes note of like, I don't know about riding on this horse thing. And Legolas is like, it's okay. You can ride with me. So I just love the fact that Legolas and Gimli are sharing a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship. And then also Legolas takes the saddle off of the horse and is like, I don't need this. And of course he can <laughs> ride a horse bareback. Like, <laughs> and he of makes course. Gimli do it too. Ch- like child of the corn, Legolas, the elf, basically. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also like Gimli's pretty unsure of this whole horse thing. And so then to make him ride without the saddle, I feel like that's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. But just hanging on for dear life. Yeah. <laughs> just made me laugh that Legolas is like, I don't need this. Get this out of here. <laughs> I'm connected with nature. I mean, well, actually, now that I say that, it actually does make a point that as soon as Legolas climbs on the horse, the horse kind of like calms mm-hmm. and Legolas as as an elf has some kind of deeper power that that connects to nature and animals and whatnot. Still such a flex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is like, okay, weird flex. Okay. <laughs> and then they're about to ride off and they're talking about, okay, well, we'll see you when you bring the horse is back right and Gimli is like oh you believe me you'll see me again because he says and I will come too. the matter of the Lady Galadriel lies still between us I have yet to teach you gentle speech so I just love that Gimli's like I'm come back and learn you a lesson yeah son <laughs> right in gentle speech yeah yeah sure Gimli and just like once again Gimli's just like more concerned about how 
they talk about Galadriel than Legolas is, but anyhow. They depart and they head down the trail where they believe the orcs were traveling. And sure enough, they come to the smoldering pile of orc bodies. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> <Yay>. Delicious. <laughs> they kind of do some like casual looking around and then basically are just like, wow, I can't believe Mary and Pippin are dead. What a bummer. <laughs> and they just automatically assume they're like, well, I guess they're dead and they're in that pile of orc ash. What a bummer. I ke- Frodo's going to be so sad when we tell him. Hopefully Frodo's not dead too. <laughs> and then, oh, and then it also says, <laughs> Gimli says, Elrond was against their coming, but Gandalf was not, said Legolas. But Gandalf chose to come himself, and he was the first to be lost, answered Gimli. His foresight failed him. The council of Gandalf was not founded on foreknowledge of safety for himself or for others. So I just like this little bit about Gandalf, about how like, yeah, Gandalf wasn't exactly the best person to seek advice about safety from, because (laughs) Gandalf is kind of like a danger to himself and others, because he's so set. I mean, it's a good thing that he's so set on this end goal of we need to get the ring to Mordor and destroy the ring, whatever it takes, whatever the cost. Mm -hmm. That was like the slogan for end game, wasn't it? Whatever it takes. (laughs) Anyway, um, and and like to the detriment of the characters around him. And that's kind of what like Gimli and Legolas are saying here. It's like, well, what does Gandalf know? He's dead. He was the first person to die. And now Merry and Pippin are dead because he said they could come. So just just kind of like interesting note character notes uh on Gandalf mm-hmm. that oh he's actually not an all-knowing perfect yeah. wizard. Well, and earlier in this you got the people of Rohan some are seeing him as, you know, an an evil omen and it's, you know, it's more that he's involved and cares about all these things, but you know, if he's showing up when things are terrible, he's not the cause of them, but yeah, he is sort of the herald of terrible things and likewise he's like this thing needs to be done and we're going to go do it. But terrible things are going to happen. And he, you know, kind of pushed everyone onto it, even so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like whether or not anyone was going to make it through it or not. He was like, I don't care. We got a we got a job to do here. Mm -hmm. Are you guys not as dedicated to this as I am? (laughs) Yeah. But there is also I mean, Aragorn's line right after that is a kind of good one for there are some things that it is better to begin than to refuse, even though the end may be dark. Yes. Yes, I love that line. And so then they so they decide to sleep and rest and they'll figure out everything else in the morning. Oh, well, first of all, this kind of like creepy ominous thing happens with the trees. They light the fire and then they note that it looks like the trees are alive. And it says, certainly to each of the companions, the bows appear to be bending this way and that so as to come above the flame while the upper branches were stooping down. The brown leaves now stood out stiff and rubbed together like many cold cracked hands taking comfort in the warmth. So I just love that personification of the trees, that cold cracked hands taking comfort in the warmth. Mm -hmm. Like, again, just good job, Tolkien. (laughs) Yeah. With a great metaphor and super creepy. Yeah. And super creepy and kind of sets the mood of like, they don't know exactly what's going on with this part of the land. So anyway, so then they go to sleep and Gimli has first watch. It says, suddenly Gimli looked up and there just on the edge of the firelight stood an old bent man leaning on a staff and wrapped in a great cloak. His wide-brimmed hat was pulled down over his eyes. And then they all wake up and make a fuss, and Aragorn says, Well, father, what can we do for you? Come and be warm if you are cold. And then, whoever this person is, 
disappears. Ooh. And I, so because of the talk of the trees coming alive, I definitely thought this character was going to, was Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, all of this joking and talking about how useless Tom Bombadil is and how he never shows up again and what an enigma. But here he is, he's back. And I was like, oh no. Mm -hmm. It's it's not Tom Bombadil. Well, although I have to say, I did get excited for a brief second when Aragorn says, come, father. I was like, oh, my God, is Tom Bombadil Aragorn's father? <laughs> Before I remembered the whole son of Arathorn thing. Yeah, so. you know. Um, but maybe Tom Bombadil is Arathorn. I mean, honestly, for all we know, he could be. <laughs> yep. Well, and it is, we don't really know much about the forest yet, but it's important to remember, it is basically a sister forest to the old forest that has Tom Bombadil. Okay. A cool. little yeah, bit cause, bigger. Because that was my next point is, is this place show, it just seems super reminiscent of the old forest because it's showing these mirages and kind of playing tricks on them. Yeah. In ancient days, there was like one giant forest and these are like the remnants of it. Oh. Hmm. And also just kind of chuckled to myself with how casual Aragorn was when he originally thought this was his dad. And he just goes like, oh, hey, dad. What you do? Like, come over, sit with us by the fire. <laughs> As if it's not super random that he's showing up in the middle of the night in the middle of this forest while they're in the middle of this treacherous journey. Yeah. Yeah. So who, whoever, whatever this is, it disappears and it spooks the horses and the horses run off and they lament the loss of the horses because then now they're going to have to walk on their feet. And Gimli says, feet, but we cannot eat them as well as walk on them. So was Gimli planning on eating the horses? I I think the implication is they had the supply bags on the horses. Oh, oh, thank the Lord. But I like the I was, idea that he was going to eat these horses that like, were entrusted oh to them. I was like, oh, my God, because then the next line is like Legolas chuckles and it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You were so afraid of the horses and now you're nearly a rider. And I was like, is it some kind of like initiation that the riders have to eat a horse? Like, what is going on here? I mean, I've seen Game of Thrones. I was like, that took a dark turn. Oh, my gosh. So and so they're talking about the Mirage. And this is where I bring up what they mentioned before about what Saruman does and how he is kind of this like trickster figure who shows up looking like different things and when they were talking about him before they said he walks about like an old man hooded and cloaked but Aragorn is pretty certain that this wasn't Saruman because whoever this was or whatever it was had some kind of wide brimmed hat so there's at least that to comfort them as they go back to sleep in the middle of this creepy unknown forest with no horses yeah and that's how that's how the last sentence of the chapter the old man did not appear again, and the horses did not return. So, creepy and ominous. Just yep. how I like my chapters to end. I would not have fallen asleep. I know. Just I just would have put Legolas on watch again since apparently... Oh, shoot. Where is it? I know it mentions at some point. It was in this part when they're lying down in the forest. And it says, with that, he fell asleep. Legolas already lay motionless, his fair hands folded upon his breast, his eyes unclosed, blending living night and deep dream, as is the way with elves. So this is when we learn that elves sleep with their eyes open. 
Good lord, that's terrifying. It's real creepy. <laughs> oh, so creepy, but anywho. Well, with that, we come to the end of our episode. Is there anything you would like to plug or share with our audience? Yeah, so I do a podcast with two of my friends, Caitlin and Emmy, called So You Want to Read Tolkien. We go through the books chapter by chapter, and we actually started with The Silmarillion to try to help provide a little bit of an accessible um guide to reading it chapter by chapter with a little bit of silliness, a little bit of help. Um, and yeah, we're we're on, uh, I'm about to end the two towers right now, actually. So uh, oh, cool. go ahead and, and check it out. Uh, we are uh, wanttoreadtolkien.com. On Twitter, you can find us at toreadtolkien. Uh, and personally, you can find me on Twitter at sir underscore Rachel, if you feel like books and snark and stuff <laughs> i mean that sounds that sounds great that's exactly the kind of instagram account i want to follow books <laughs> and snark and stuff yep that sounds like a great name for a bookshop <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i ever uh, manage to open a bookshop I'll, I'll have to put that up there books and snark and stuff everyone will love it for sure that's what i'm talking about is proudly a member of the bacon and eggs network if you want to learn more about that you can go to bacon and the cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find me on Instagram at mcturndownforwatt and Twitter at mcwatt416. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And then once again, the two kind of newish announcements. The first is about the Patreon that hopefully future Mary Clay will now insert herself and give you more details that as I'm recording, are still being worked out. Yes, hello, it is Future Mary Clay here to give you another update about the Patreon. We're still figuring things out and planning so that it's ready to launch smoothly, but get excited for some of the perks that are going to involve things like shoutouts on the pod, Discord channels, as well as access to bonus content slash quote-unquote deleted scenes. There's no visual element, obviously, but I always end up recording with my guests for a lot longer than the episodes are, and it always guts me to have to cut things out because it's great and such a fun conversation, but I don't want the episodes to be super long. And now there's a place for that cut content to live. So just be on the lookout in the coming weeks and stay tuned for more updates about the Patreon. The second announcement is once again about the Facebook group. There is a That's What I'm Talking About community group on Facebook. Has nothing to do with Patreon or anything, so you can join it. Come talk to your fellow Tolkien and Lord of the Rings nerds, share memes, share whatever you'd like. There is a rule about please be mindful of your spoilers because of me. However, <laughs> I am going to make a weekly thread where each episode you can comment and talk as many spoilers as you want. And I'm going to try, I'm going to use all of my self-control that my body has to, to not read those comments. Well, do you have any parting words? Uh, just thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. Yeah, I've got two Pokemon decks. Down. One more to go. I'll get Emmy on uh, eventually. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would say that was, you could cut most of that. <laughs> no. I, well, actually, I might end up doing yeah. that. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It might be a Patreon perk at Ooh. some point in the future. Ooh, fun deleted scenes. Yay. <laughs> Us rambling. And that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>